0: All right, good morning, church. I hope you're all doing amazing. I have to tell you, I have officially reached the age where I long for the good old days. And I'm not that old, but I grew up in the 90s. And when I look at the world today in 2023, I just long for how things used to be. Even remembering how much my parents and my grandparents would complain about our generation, I find that when bumps in the road come and I have things that hit me or I see things that are affecting us in the world, I just long to go back to a simpler time in my life. And I don't know if anybody can relate to that, that idea of going back to something that just feels familiar and Helps you to feel good in the moment, even though there may be chaos all around you. For me, that usually comes in the forms of old sitcoms and TV shows that I used to watch or watching Michigan football dominate the competition. You can applaud if you want to. They're so amazing. I'm just, I'm just kidding. A lot of Texas A&M fans in the room that are bitter. That's okay. That's Okay but I long for things that make me feel good and and make me forget my present troubles and, and, and make me think about better times. And I've found that for a lot of people, this is the case, and it may not be a show for you, it may not be football, but I guarantee there is something in your life that when trouble comes, you have a desire to run back to that thing or that habit or that relationship that feels familiar. But I have found that if we're not careful when we are chasing after the familiar, we run the risk of missing out on the voice of the Father and the direction and the leading of God. And if we do that, we run the risk of missing out on the position and the potential and the promise and the blessing that he has for our life. And today as we look in the book of John at the last chapter, I wanna show you a man who walked with Jesus and saw all kinds of miracles and amazing things take place. And yet when a bump came in the road, he found himself going back to a former life. And I just believe that as I have been praying about today that there are many people that are stuck in this place where they have a desire to move forward They keep telling God they're gonna press and chase after him, and yet there is something, there is something that is drawing them back away from his perfect plan for their lives. And I just believe that by the power of the name of Jesus that there are going to be some people that as they step out in faith are gonna be set free, are gonna be made whole, and their lives are gonna be radically changed. Not because of something that I speak, but because of the power of the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. So just before we dive into the word, would you pray for me? Let me pray for you. And let's just ask God to meet us in this place and to have his way and to do what he wants to do. Dear Holy Father, I thank you so much for every individual that is here and for everyone that is watching online. Father, I pray that you would anoint my words. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help me to speak only what you would have me to speak. And I pray for those today that are caught in a cycle of familiar chasing after things that maybe aren't your best for their lives. I pray God that by faith today, they might step out and be set free. And we thank you for the miracle working power of your word and what I'm expecting you to do today. In Jesus name, amen. Amen. John chapter 21, we have been in a series called Christianity 101. And we're going to be looking at the last chapter today, and I want to look at uh, the life of Peter. Peter was a disciple. He was somebody that walked very closely with Jesus. And I find in my own life that I relate really well to Peter. And I relate oftentimes to him, not because he got it all right, but because in fact, Peter oftentimes got it wrong. He often said the wrong thing and did the wrong thing. And yet, in spite of all of it, God still chose to use him in a powerful way. I find that a lot of people that call themselves believers and Christians, they like to relate to a little boy who slays giants, but they struggle to relate to him when he becomes a man and looks at a woman who is bathing on a roof and finds himself in sin, A lot of times we like to relate to Moses as he lifted his arms and the waters parted and by faith he walked out. And we struggle to relate to somebody who was insecure and who had to have his own brother speak on his behalf because he was too afraid to do what God had called him to do. It is really easy a lot of times to relate to the heroes in the stories, but we struggle to identify and be honest with ourselves that the truth is we wanna be the hero, but oftentimes we mess up and we make mistakes. And that's kinda where we find Peter in chapter 21. Jesus has died on the cross. He has rose from the dead, the tomb is empty. He has already appeared to the disciples, but Peter finds himself in a different place. Peter was somebody that was always quick to act like he knew everything that Jesus was doing. In fact, Peter once told Jesus that he loved him more than any of the other disciples. And yet when the going got tough and Jesus was getting ready to be crucified, three times people asked Peter, do you know this man? And three times Peter rejected him, said he didn't know him. How much shame he must have felt that the one that had brought him out of one life, that had done so much in his life, in the moments where he needed him most, he turned his back on him. I can't imagine the shame and the pain that Peter felt in that moment. And I imagine that as we come to chapter 21, that one of the reasons we find Peter where he is, is because of that guilt of knowing that he messed up and he missed what Jesus wanted to do in his life. Chapter 21, starting with verse one. It says, afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the sea of Tiberias, and it happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I am going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, We'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. In verse 4, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. And he called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. And he said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. I don't know if you're familiar with Peter and the disciples, but if you go a little bit back in their ministry, we know that they were fishing when Jesus met many of them. And he called them and he said, hey, leave what you're doing now, come and follow me, and I'm gonna teach you to be fishers of men. And now they run right back to that life that is familiar because things with Jesus didn't quite turn out the way that they thought they would. Now we don't know exactly why they went back to fishing and I'm not here to tell you that they were operating in disobedience. We don't know exactly why they went back. It could be that maybe the money had run out because of the scandal of what had happened on the cross and those who were supporting the ministry and the work of the disciples and Jesus, that now that Jesus has been crucified on the cross and because they didn't fully understand what he came to do, maybe the money had run out. And so they were going back to something that they knew instead of trusting God to meet their needs. Maybe it was a place where they were going because it was was a place where they could steady their minds and hope to hear from God. But I imagine that the reason that Peter went back to fishing was because it felt familiar. And in spite of the chaos and the turmoil that was going on around him, at least he knew fishing. But can I tell you that just because something may seem good, it doesn't make it God. Oftentimes we will chase things that feel familiar in our lives, and it doesn't mean that they're inherently bad, but if God didn't tell you to do it, if God didn't tell you to go there, if God didn't tell you to say it, then it's not of him. And the disciples are struggling because they don't understand that they are meant to live by faith and not by sight. One of the biggest struggles with this generation and people who are alive today is they look at the chaos around them and they say, well, since I can't see God, he must not be working. But I'm here to tell you that even in the midst of darkness, God is there and God has a purpose and a plan for anything and everything that we walk through in life. And we just have to have the faith to trust Him that He'll work it all out. Years ago, I've talked a little bit about this. I was the lead pastor at a church in Syracuse, New York. It was one of the worst seasons and times in my life I was burnt out. The church people were awful. How many of you know sometimes people are just awful? None of you other people, but sometimes people are just mean and they're hateful. And sometimes people who work in the church are even worse. And I remember I got, I got to the point where I was out for a walk with my dog and I had only what I could describe as a nervous breakdown. And I, I came home and I, I went into my wife and I hugged her and I said, I can't do this anymore. And tears are streaming down my face and I said, I can't do this. I can't work at this church. I can't serve these people. I can't do this. I can't do this. And I said, this is what we're gonna do. We're just, we're gonna pack up the kids and we're gonna move back to, to Michigan. And I realized as I was studying this that the place where I grew up, Michigan, is kind of a crutch for me. It's a familiar place. It's a place that reminds me of, with my rose-colored vision looking backwards, it reminds me of sweeter times in my life. And I've realized that anytime I have experienced a bump in the road, whether it was in college, whether it was in my career, or at this point with my family, I would run back to Michigan. And in this point in my life, I had decided that I was done with the church. I was done with pastoring, I was done with preaching, I was gonna go get a regular job, maybe I would attend church somewhere, but I was done with this whole ministry thing. I was gonna live my days in Michigan, my girls were gonna grow up there, and it would all be great. And it felt good. There's nothing wrong with Michigan, I got a lot of family there, my parents are there. There are a lot of good things in Michigan, but the problem was, it wasn't God. It wasn't the place that he was directing me to. And no matter how many places I applied for, no matter how many times I tried to get a job doing this and that, in fact, when I first got there, I almost got a job doing marketing for the city, doing graphic design and marketing. I can tell you, if you work with me, I'm not good enough to be doing marketing or graphic design for the city. And yet I felt like this will be it. I can drop everything and I can just, I can, I can go and do this. And yet right when I was about to accept the job, they ended up closing the door on that and hiring somebody else. And this would happen time and again and again and again. And I got more and more frustrated and I got more and more angry until I got to the place where I stopped feeling sorry for myself. And I got back to saying, well, God, what do you have for me? And he reminded me that the same calling that was on my life then is still the same calling that was on my life in that moment. And just because things didn't work out in New York didn't mean that God didn't still have a plan for my life. And if I hadn't put on my pants and pulled up my bootstraps and got back to what God was doing, I wouldn't be standing on this stage today preaching to you. And I wonder how many people would have missed out on what God wanted to do through me, all because I was trying to do something good that wasn't God. And I just believe that that's a word for somebody today. You are chasing after things in your life that feel good, that sound good, that the world says is good. But can I tell you that if it's not God, it's not his will for your life. If he's not in it, doesn't matter how hard you try, doesn't matter how hard you work it, it's never going to be blessed. That's what Peter and the disciples are realizing, that what they used to be good at and what they used to do all of a sudden isn't working. All night, the Bible says they're fishing and they catch nothing. But then Jesus shows up on the scene. And the crazy thing is Jesus is there and they don't even recognize him. How many of us walk through difficult seasons and we can't even see Jesus in the midst of the mess, but he's there. And Jesus calls out to them and he says, throw your net on the other side of the boat. Now I can't find anything that tells me that on one side of the boat was better than the other side of the boat. And the truth is this doesn't really have anything to do with throwing your net on the right side or the left side of the boat. It has everything to do with the difference between leading leading your life by the guidance of Jesus and leading your life without the guidance of Jesus. Some of us can't understand why things aren't working out. And the truth is because you're not following his voice and what he's commanding you to do. See, when I operate in the familiar and I chase things my way, I am doing things in my own power. But when I walk in faith, I'm living in his power. And how many of you know his power is far greater than anything I can do on my own? I don't wanna talk about this next part, but the Holy Spirit wouldn't let it go. And so I'm gonna tell you what he told me, okay? All right, this comes directly from his word. And I'm gonna take off the pastor hat for a minute and I'm just gonna talk to you as a fellow struggler in this thing called life. There are many people that are missing out on the favor of God and they're looking at the economy and the world around us. And they're in full panic mode because they are trying to live their lives and operate in their own power. And I wanna give you a tool that will set you free from worrying about the economy if you'll be obedient and do what God's word says. And I know anytime a preacher talks about money, everybody gets real tight, doesn't wanna hear it. So you take it or leave it. And when I give advice to people, I say take it or leave it. So you take it or leave it, but I'm gonna give you advice that blesses me and my life so that no matter what's going on around me, I stay blessed and that blessing comes from tithing. Tithing, according to scripture, is the first 10% that we give to God. Do you know why you give it to God? Because it belongs to Him. What happens when you keep something that doesn't belong to you? I won't tell you, but I bet you can figure it out. That's what many of us do with God. We want the blessing, but we're not willing to do what He called us to do. But when I tithe, when I give of my finances, it's not that I give 10% and then I'm blessed with the other 90%. It means I give 10% because it belongs to God and I'm saying I trust you with all of it. That even though it doesn't make sense because if I do my bills, it shouldn't work for me to pay my tithe and give you what belongs to you, but because you've commanded it, I'm willing to do it. I started tithing when I was 10 years old. My dad began to teach me the principle of tithing, and I have been doing it my whole life. My grandparents, my parents, they tithe. And can I tell you that God somehow always meets our need? Because while some people are panicked and are looking at the economy and their stocks are going down and the gas prices are getting higher and the food is getting higher, I don't worry because I don't operate in that economy I'm a part of the kingdom economy. And it doesn't matter who sits in the White House. It doesn't matter what the world looks like. I trust in God and he supplies all of my needs according to his riches in glory. Some of you have the gift of giving and you don't know it because your hand is shut. But for some of you, if you just release, God would release more to you. I am more blessed today than any time in my life all because I believe because I have been faithful to what God has called me to do. And for some of you, the key to you going to an, the next level is by you tithing. It's by you saying, okay, God, I trusted you with every other area in my life and now I'm willing to trust you with this. Peter and them caught nothing until they heeded the words of Jesus and did what he called them to do. And the minute they obeyed was the minute that they caught a harvest that was so big that it took multiple men to drag it on the shore. And for some of you that are here today and you are in full on panic looking at the economy, I'm telling you, if you will just trust in God with your finances, he will meet your needs and he will bless you in a supernatural way. Let's keep going in the text. It says in verse seven that then the disciple whom Jesus loved. I love this that John writes about himself as the one who Jesus loved. That's just amazing. He's a good man. And he said, it is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and he jumped into the water and the other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals and there were fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. And Simon Peter climbed aboard and he dragged the net ashore and it was full of large fish, 153. But even with it so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came and he took the bread and he gave it to them. And he did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Notice the difference between when they're on the boat and now they've chased after Jesus. See, when I chase after familiar things in my life and things that Jesus has brought me out of, When we are chasing familiar, it's self-serving. It's all about me. I run back to this because I wanna take care of me. And yet the minute we come into contact with Jesus, he serves us. And out of that service to us, I am challenged to then go out and to serve others. Mark chapter 10, verse 45 says it this way. For even the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I'm called to serve. Notice that the, the, the fish that they brought on the shore, that didn't make up the meal. When they got there, Jesus had already prepared the meal. All they had to do was add to it. Some of you are sitting on your gifts and your talents. And listen, you can't save anybody there has never been anything that I have done that has ever saved anybody. It is merely me getting next to Jesus and taking my talents and my giftings and saying, I want to partner with you so that you can use me to serve other people. And when Peter gets to the place where he sees Jesus, he doesn't walk, he runs. And when he gets there, He doesn't have to do anything because Jesus is already waiting to serve the needs that they have. And that's what Jesus does for us. He serves us. He takes care of us. He feeds us. He provides for us. Why? So that we can have a full belly? No, so that we can then in turn go out and serve somebody else. You may not know it, but every single one of you under the sound of my voice are called to be ministers. You haven't been called to come to church and consume. You've been called to come to get filled up, to go out and to serve somebody that has needs. Do you know how many people we could probably add to the church if the church just started acting like the church of Jesus Christ? If we actually went out and started looking for needs and then started meeting those needs according to Jesus who works within us? That's what he's called us to do. And in verse 15, after he has fed them, he begins to reinstate Peter, the one who rejected him, the one who denied him. Says this, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, notice he calls him Simon Peter. Peter was supposed to be the rock. And yet now Jesus is calling him by his former name, most likely because he hadn't hadn't lived up to what Jesus had called him to do. And he said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Verse 16, again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Isn't it interesting that Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? How many times did Peter deny him? Three times. And I just really believe that Jesus did this not because Jesus didn't know that Peter loved him, but it was so that Peter could remind himself of the calling that was on his life. I have found that for a lot of people, they keep running back to old things in their lives, not because God hasn't set them free and not because Jesus hasn't forgiven them, but oftentimes because we haven't forgiven ourselves. But if we wanna move past the familiar in our lives, to chase after faith and to chase after everything Jesus has for us, it requires us to forgive ourselves and to give Jesus our past. Not just the parts that we think we want him to know, but to give it all to him and say, Jesus, I trust you with it. That's a big thing, Peter, knowing what he had done to continue to say, yes, Jesus, I love you. Yes, Jesus, I care about you. Yes, Jesus, I consider you a friend. And Jesus doesn't rebuke him. Jesus doesn't get onto him. Jesus doesn't slam him. He just says, if you love me, go serve somebody else. Go feed my sheep. Years ago, I had a pastor speak something over me that wrecked my life because a lot of people don't understand the power of their words. And you may not know it, but your words carry weight and they carry power. And I had a pastor that said to me one time, he said, listen, if you move your kids too much, you're going to mess them up. You're going to jack them up. They're going to hate you. They're going to turn away from the church. They're going to want nothing to do with you. And can I tell you that every time my kids act up or I have an issue with them or there is a problem, my mind goes back to those words that he spoke over me, those things that he said to me. And I think to myself, maybe I did mess my kids up. Maybe I did jack my kids up. Maybe I did move them too many times. Maybe in my pursuit of thinking that I was following God, I wasn't following him at all and I have messed them up. And can I tell you that the most freeing thing that I've been able to come to in my life is to be able to forgive myself and say, God, I've done my best to follow you and I'm trusting you with the future of my children. Some of you have prodigal sons and daughters and you are rehearsing over and over and over again the mistakes that you made and the things that you did wrong. And can I tell you, some of you today need to give that over to Jesus. You need to forgive yourself for the mistakes that you've made and you need to trust your children with God Almighty to bring them home, to bring them in. You need to stop praying that God would use you because maybe you're the voice that won't win them. And you need to start praying, God, bring somebody into their lives that will change them and will make them on fire for you. Jesus says, if you love me, feed my sheep. I want to close with these last few verses. He says, I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And in verse 19, Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Can I tell you something? If we wanna leave behind the past, if we truly love Jesus, we have to forget what feels familiar and we gotta step out in faith and we got to follow him. And listen, when Peter denied Jesus the first time, you know why he denied him? Because he was afraid of the pain that was going to come if he admitted to knowing Jesus. He was afraid of being crucified in the same way that he knew Jesus was about to be crucified. And in this moment, Jesus was telling him, there is a cross that is waiting for you but I still want you to come and to follow me. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 through 25 says this, that Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Jesus isn't requiring Peter to do something he won't do for himself or something that he hasn't done. In fact, before Jesus reinstates Peter, what does he do? He feeds him. And he says, Peter, in the same way that I've loved you, in the same way that I've restored you, now I want you to go out and do the same. Feed my sheep, follow me. Paul says it this way, that I have forgotten the things that are behind me and I press forward towards what lies ahead of me. Some of you are clinging to what was when Jesus is imploring you to go forward to what he has for your life. And for some of you, you are dragging yourself back because what's back here feels familiar. Peter thought, well, Jesus is coming. He's going to establish this new great thing and and I'm going to be sitting right next to him. He never understood that Jesus didn't come to set up an earthly kingdom. Jesus is the king of kings. He came to set up a kingdom without end. And he says, Peter, if you love me, follow. Forget the past. Forget what felt familiar. Forget that fishing thing, that's over. I've called you to something new. And some of you are caught in the tension. You wanna live for Jesus, you told him you'd live for him, but there are some areas in your life you're holding back because you're not really ready to release all control to him. I realize in this text, the greatest thing that Peter did was when he recognized Jesus was standing on the shore. He doesn't wait, he just gets out of the boat and he runs towards Jesus. I wonder if maybe he thought he could walk on water again. He didn't, but this time there was nothing that was gonna stop him from getting to the one who gave it all for him. Jesus forgives him. Jesus says, if you love me, now go, feed my sheep. And Peter, no matter what comes your way, follow me. I'm telling you in the days, the weeks, the months, and the years to come, I don't wanna give you doom and gloom, but this world is not gonna magically get better. It's gonna get darker. Hardships are gonna get worse. But Jesus' word is, follow him. And he'll take care of you. He'll meet your needs. We just have to trust Him, because if we love Him, we gotta feed His sheep. Would you stand with me as I get ready to close? I'm gonna ask the prayer team to come forward, to stand up here at the front. Are there any staff that are here? Listen, I normally wait till the end and I'm like, hey, if you want prayer, just kind of come up whenever and get it. But I just feel like as I've been praying about today, that there are those of you that need to step out in faith now. You keep waiting and then you walk out. And Jesus says, now is the day of salvation. Now is the time. Some of you have been wanting breakthrough. Today's the day. Some of you need healing. Today's your day. Jesus is already here. His presence is already here. He's waiting on you. You gotta take the step. And it's scary because you're worried about what people will think and what people will say about you. But there's something powerful about taking a step of faith. And I'm telling you this morning that Jesus wants to set some people free. I asked Tavarius and the worship team to sing a song and to lead us in a worship song. And it's all about the power of the name of Jesus. You know, I think sometimes we think we have to have some masters of theology to be able to pray. I can tell you, I don't have that, but I know how to pray. Sometimes we think we gotta know the Bible forwards and backwards. I don't know the Bible forwards and backwards. In fact, if you ask me something, I'm gonna have to look it up, but I know how to pray. And my grandmother taught me something powerful years ago, that sometimes you don't know what to pray and all you need to pray is Jesus. Jesus over your health, Jesus over your finances, Jesus over your relationship, Jesus over your children, because his name has the power to break bondage, to break yokes, and to set people free. And so this morning, all you gotta do is come. And the prayer team's just gonna begin to speak the name of Jesus over your life. So I'm gonna pray for you. And some of you, even now, there's something inside of you that's telling you, I know that's for me and I, need, I know I need to go up there and get prayer. But then there's that other side of you, there's that familiar that's saying, "Ah." Eh. But then people are gonna know your business. People are gonna think things about you. That's weird. But the Bible says that they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. I believe that. I believe that God still provides in supernatural ways. I believe that God heals minds and restores and brings peace to storms. So I'm gonna pray for you. We're gonna dim the lights down. And if you need prayer today, don't walk like Peter. You run down to the front and let us pray for you. Dear Holy Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your people. And right now as we worship, And we sing this prayer unto you. Jesus, meet us in this place. And I pray for every heart right now that steps forward in faith. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would move in Jesus' mighty name, amen.